Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Glad to have you with me. Uh, By the way, you should note, uh, I don't want to dwell on the point, but Mike Pence is more and more distancing himself from um from Donald Trump he is sitting down tonight with David Muir the host of ABC's World News tonight and well uh, this is one of the excerpts members were barricaded inside the house chamber mm-hmm. and in the middle of it all you can see that the president has tweeted 2:24 p.m. the president tweets Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. It angered me. But I turned to my daughter who was standing nearby and I said, it doesn't take courage to break the law. It takes courage to uphold the law. I mean, the president's words were reckless. It was clear he decided to be part of the problem. That's Mike Pence. It'll be with him tonight um, with David Muir. Um, This doesn't really help Pence's presidential prospects within the GOP. He would like to run for president, I think, uh, I guess. I haven't really talked to him about it. He's a longtime friend of mine. We don't regularly talk these days, though. I do think, however, that um, he's probably working to or views himself as working to turn more people away from Trump. I, I've seen a number of uh, ardent Trump supporters call Mike Pence a traitor today for stabbing Donald Trump in the back that he Donald Trump made him or some such. Um, I actually think Trump probably couldn't have gotten a lot of evangelicals to support him without a guy like Pence in the vice presidential slot. I mean, that's why he picked Pence. But it's it's an interesting, uh, slow-rolling reveal as Pence writes a book uh, talking about the distance that has grown up between him and, and Trump. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes with Pence that he's being that open. Uh, keep your eyes out for all of that. Now, we must talk about FTX. I, I need it on the record. This is not to rub salt in anyone's wounds. I am skeptical of cryptocurrency. I am skeptical of it for one large reason. It is not very likely, not very common, and in some places downright impossible to walk into your local McDonald's and buy a hamburger with cryptocurrency. If I can't go to Walmart or McDonald's, and buy something with cryptocurrency, is it really a currency? Some people have said it's a hedge against inflation, except we've got record high inflation and it's cryptocurrency is crashing. Here's the problem ultimately with cryptocurrency. It is designed to give value to something, but to get real value to that something, you and I would say, Ultimately, that, well, it's 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 in a free market. And, and so, yes, in the free market, it gets some level of value. 
I I have a Mount Blanc pin. It was designed actually by Johnny Ive of Apple. It has a little magnet when you drop it. If you drop the lid in such a way, it, it twists. So it's always lined up with a little Mont Blanc star. It's it's well made. I, I like a good pen. I like to send handwritten notes to people on occasion and want a nice pen that has good weight in the hand and writes well. It has value. I bought it. I used American dollars to buy it. It was a very expensive pen. It's the only very expensive nice pen I have. I only need one. In the free marketplace, that pen has a value. And I can go into the store and choose to buy it or not. In some places, you can go in and haggle. You go to a car lot, oftentimes you can haggle over the price of the car and bring the car price down. Find something that is mutually beneficial for you and the seller of the car and and buy it. And you use dollars. You don't use Bitcoin. You don't use cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is an off-market currency of some kind based on an algorithm where you and the others who engage in it give it value and then it has an exchange where you can exchange it for dollars to go into the real world. The problem with cryptocurrency is that there are these things called nation states. And to a degree, nation states matter more than you and I matter. And if a nation state decides that your cryptocurrency cannot be used, well, good luck using your cryptocurrency there. And if a nation state decides it has no value, good luck. And if a nation state wants to investigate it, good luck. Each nation state has money. Most nation states tie their currency value to the value of the American dollar. Increasingly, some tie their currency to the value of of the Chinese currency. But all countries have currency in that currency, except in a few cases, and in those cases made uh, more economically unstable in South America, where they decided to use cryptocurrency. And in most cases, they're tied to other countries' currencies, and everyone has a national currency. The Europeans, in some degree, ceded the sovereignty of their currency to the European Union, and they have euros shared between them. The British got out of it, and even when they were in it, kept the pound separate from the euro. They didn't want to give up their currency. But a lot of young men, and it has been overwhelmingly young men, decided they liked the decentralized idea of cryptocurrency, that you can get online and you can get an algorithm and get a key, so to speak, and you can value this thing. And it is tied to something called a token, and it renders a value of something that is meaningless to the world, but very meaningful to the people who are involved in it. If that doesn't make sense to you, welcome. I have friends who love cryptocurrency. God bless them for loving cryptocurrency. They all tend to be young men who are early adopters of new technologies and libertarians. Well, there was one young man. His name was Sam Bankman Freed, and now I guess you could say Sam Bankman Fried. He became a multi-billionaire. And he was the head of something called FTX, which became an exchange where you could go exchange your cryptocurrency for for money. You could trade it. You could essentially it, it worked as a currency exchange, like a stock market almost for cryptocurrency. Uh, The problem is it turned into a giant Ponzi scheme. He was a prodigy. His parents were Stanford professors. His mother is a major Democratic donor and bundler. He's a huge progressive. He went to MIT. 
got a job working on Wall Street as a programmer, realized cryptocurrency had some latent value to it and began to manufacture cryptocurrency and then launched an exchange, FTX, in Hong Kong where it would be unregulated by the United States. He ultimately moved it to the Bahamas. There's a legal gray area for these cryptocurrency exchanges. They don't have to operate inside the United States because everything happens on the internet. Uh, And then as FTX took off and became a multi-billion dollar company, uh, they signed the purchasing naming rights for the NBA's Miami Heat Stadium, a 19-year deal. They got a Mercedes Formula One team. They had National Baseball League uh, umpire patches branding there. They had a partnership with Tom Brady. They made a ton of money. He was on the cover of Fortune, just like Elizabeth Holmes of of that failed company. The media loved him. Here's this young guy who would sit on stage with Tony Blair and Bill Clinton, and they would be in suits, and he would be scruffy, unshaved, in a T-shirt and shorts. And, oh, he's so trendy. Oh, he's so hip. Oh, he's a billionaire. He's a genius. He's a wonder kid. He was running a Ponzi scheme. Now, I personally don't believe it started as a Ponzi scheme. But over time, he had to start using client money to bail himself out of crypto as crypto crashed. And it's become unsustainable. What he decided to do was throw a lot of his money into the Democratic Party. Now, here's my guess. My guess is that he saw the writing on the wall. He was already a Democrat. He wanted to help. And knowing that he was on the verge of wiping out, he threw his billions to fund the Democrats' 2022 campaign. He spent more money than anyone other than George Soros helping the Democrats. And this year, spent more money than Soros to help the Democrats. And now is worth a dollar, and he's gone into hiding. A lot of venture capital firms were wooed in by this kid. There's a star power and celebrity of being a, a child prodigy genius who made all sorts of money and doing something other people don't understand. You know, Warren Buffett and, and his business partner, Charlie, what's his name? Uh, they're deeply skeptical of crypto. I am too. I have had friends of mine try to explain cryptocurrency to me, and it makes sense to them, and the way they explain it makes sense to me. But ultimately, there's still a problem. Cryptocurrency is not the currency of a nation state, and our world is run by nation states. And you have to convert your cryptocurrency into a nation state's currency. Cryptocurrency was designed to be not controlled by nation states, to be fungible and movable around the world through a series of algorithms, but ultimately to get from cryptocurrency into the currency reserves of a nation state, there must be a conversion equation done somewhere, and that's where the governments can get you. Charlie Munger is Warren Buffett's business partner, and he said if you were asked to, he had some some quote a while back that if uh, given the choice between investing in essentially cow manure and crypto, at least the cow manure would ultimately generate methane for which you could sell the methane. It was not very high on crypto. Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos sold the world on her celebrity star power that she could uh, heal the world based on a drop of blood. It was a scam. This guy from FTX, Sam Bankman Freed, was essentially the same way. $32 billion crypto scammer. He was called the next Warren Buffett. He turns out to be more Elizabeth Holmes or Bernie Madoff. 
He ran essentially a Ponzi scheme, although people who have studied Ponzi schemes says it does an, uh, a disservice to Ponzi schemes what he did. Now, here's the thing you need to understand here. Cryptocurrency has not been heavily regulated, and there are a lot of people who are going to look at this and say, we need new laws, we need new laws, we need new regulations. You don't. Ultimately, you need to enforce what is already there, the fraud regulations, the fraud laws. There's clearly a lot of fraud that happened here. As he was boosting himself and his company, he was using client funds to bankroll the trades made by his company. As the value of crypto cash crashed, he couldn't make the money back to give back to the clients. The clients are out of all their money now. You do not need new regulations. There are existing regulations. The problem is the regulations were not enforced. And surprise, they were not enforced against a massive Democratic donor. Who could have thunk it? And there's a lesson for you here. When someone comes with the firepower of celebrity and the star power of celebrity, maybe be a little cautious. We saw this even in the elections where people decided they wanted to go with celebrity candidates and the celebrity candidates were all duds this year. There've got to be fundamentals. And the fundamentals continue to matter. And the fundamentals mattered in the election. The fundamentals matter in the economy. The fundamentals matter to crypto. I admit there, there are some use cases where I can see cryptocurrency may be good beyond just drug trades kept off the books. But the fundamentals matter, and the fundamental that matters the most right now is that nation states and their currency matters far more than crypto. And to get your crypto out, you got to convert it into cash somehow. You can't use it at McDonald's or Walmart to buy things, so maybe stop pretending it's currency and start treating it as something else. And if you haven't invested in it, you might want to stay away from it. The underlying fundamentals of Bitcoin and the like, they are there. I've got to admit it as someone who's skeptical of it but I don't really see a good use case for it. And a lot of people got lured into something shiny and new by a smooth talking salesman who convinced them it was something different. And really, it was just another tulip bulb. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of DC-based organizations that just wanna pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, DC. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. Their grassroots do tank. Americans for Prosperity is a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. How about we take a phone call or two? I, let's see, I'm going to go to Mike next. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you? Hey, thanks. Doing well. So my question is, about a week ago, you went over the issues with a Trump 2024 run regarding the financials of the Republican Party and moving on to then the DeSantis run afterwards. And then after the polling analysis, the exit polling analysis today that you've described, where 
Republicans want less chaos and all of the candidates or a majority of them that distanced or separated themselves from Trump. One, how do we motivate or move those those voters who are diehard on Trump to look at DeSantis and say, hey, maybe this gives us a better chance for the next eight years? I think a number of them will not. Um, I, I, I just look one of the, the interesting patterns of this election that I think a lot of people forget is that there Donald Trump brought a lot of voters into the GOP who were not voters to begin with. They, they simply didn't vote. And he inspired a class of people to come in. And I think some of them have only stayed because of Trump. And when he leaves, they will disappear too. And these are people who they vote for Trump and Trump candidates and they don't necessarily vote Republican. Um, there are a class of voter, however, who came in because of Trump. And I think they can be persuaded to stay. I think by and large, uh, the Republicans also can pick up independence again. Remember, independence have broken for the party out of the White House for every election since 2012 until this one. Independence went with Obama against Romney and then went GOP in 2014 against Obama, went Trump against Clinton in 2016, went Democrats against Trump in 2018, Biden against Trump in 2020, and have stayed with Biden now, a majority of them. You've got to provide them something. I mean, that kind of is the signal there that independence went with Trump against Clinton in 2016, which, by the way, as an aside, how bad was Hillary Clinton as a candidate? My goodness gracious. Nobody's talking about that today. Of course, the Democrats have built the mythology. It was the Russians. But how bad was Hillary Clinton? My goodness. But independence shifted back to the Democrats in 2018, stayed there in 2020, stayed there in 2022. They are persuadable by both sides. And they barely went Democrat this time. But they did because they would rather the status quo that sucks than the chaos that would come from what they perceived to be the Republican Party with Trump in charge. You change that dynamic, you give them something. Uh, and maybe it doesn't have to be DeSantis. It, it could be someone else. But right now that matters. 877-973-7425. I want to take more of your calls when we come back. And then where are the races outstanding? Well, once I've gotten through the phone calls, assuming I have time, I'll take you through the map. Where are races outstanding? Uh, it actually is good news for the GOP to the extent that there are races to be called. Uh, none of the races that are leading one way or the other are breaking outside of the way they are leaning. So if a race is leading Democrat, the odds are it's going to stay Democrat. If the race is leading Republican, it probably is going to go Republican. The other thing you need to know is that when it's all said and done, it looks like Republicans nationally will have won about 4%, 2 to 4% of the popular vote, which means the polling average was still right. And the polls that messed everything up were the Republican bolsters, the Trafalgar's of the world made it seem like the, the Republican uh, expectations were higher than they wound up being. You take all the partisan polls out, and actually the media polls kind of got it more right, and the polling averages kind of hit it on the nose with where the popular vote would be nationally. The problem is just where the votes were allocated nationwide. 
Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, let's take some phone calls. Let's start with Sean. You're up first. Sean, welcome. Hey, Eric. Hey, uh, enjoy your show. Uh, I wanted to talk to you and ask a question about and get your opinion uh, of what an individual's like myself, what can I do to get Herschel Walker to win the U.S. Senate race? Because I'm looking at a couple things that I want. I want to spend the money, my own money, versus giving it to the candidate and just go out and make my own signs and maybe try to convert those Democratic churchgoers uh, and let them know the truth that they're following a thought, following false biblical teachings of Raphael Warnock. Uh, okay. Or do um, I just stick? Go ahead, or 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 what? Or or do I just concentrate to tying Raphael Warnock to Joe Biden's tax increase on the middle class to get his progressive socialist projects paid for? Uh, and, and and lastly, I also wanted to: Do you really think Republican Republicans in PA voted for in Pennsylvania voted for Fetterman? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely when you actually survey the Republicans there, you got to keep in mind that uh, in the final polling in Pennsylvania and every poll before it, uh, Dr. Oz had a really hard time getting majority approval of Republicans in Pennsylvania. His approval rating among Republicans in Pennsylvania wound up being like 45 percent. Uh, which is really hard to win when a majority of Republicans don't even approve of you uh, and you're the nominee. Uh, there's a lot of bitterness in Pennsylvania that I don't think those of us outside of Pennsylvania really appreciate in the Republican Party of Donald Trump's interventions. Uh, one for Mastriano against Lou Barletta, who was a popular Republican congressman, but also for uh, Dr. Oz over um, the guy he was McCormick, Dave McCormick, he was running against. Uh, there was a lot of uh, anger among Republicans there. Uh, McCormick lost by like a, a tenth of a percent that primary, and a lot of his voters just they were furious. And it, Oz was never really able to get them back. And keep in mind, as bad as you and I saw Fetterman, Pennsylvania voters had made him the lieutenant governor, so they were already familiar with him before his stroke. We got to keep that perspective in mind. I think we sometimes lose that when we're not in that state that the voters already knew Fetterman. He was a known commodity as lieutenant governor, and he was a hometown boy where Dr. Oz was a New Jerseyan who transplanted to Pennsylvania and never was able to woo the uh, Republicans. That's a problem. Now, as for you, save your money. You're going to run into campaign finance rules if you try to start um, making your own signs and stuff like that and pouring money into help Porsche Walker. What you should do is actually speak cogently to people, do door knocking, volunteer for Herschel Walker. If you want to help Herschel Walker in Georgia, uh, you need to sign up with the Republican Party. You know, one of the, the big stories that I, I couldn't get to last week when I was gone on Friday was that Brian Kemp has handed his entire ground game operation over to Mitch McConnell and the Senate Leadership Fund. It's the first time anything like that has happened nationally. Uh, so uh, let me give you the dynamic in Georgia because this is helpful. If you're trying to understand the dynamics as we head into a runoff in Georgia, you need to know a, a few things. Uh, the state Republican leaders swept in November. And uh, last week, 
the governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, commissioner of labor, commissioner of agriculture, commissioner of insurance, all statewide offices, the Republicans swept every race. They did so in large part because Brian Kemp had an impressive ground game. It was not enough to get Herschel Walker over the finish line. It did help him get into a runoff. There are some other dynamics you have to understand, though, that are at stake in Georgia. The chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia is named David Schaefer. Schaefer is a stop-the-steal election-denying Republican who believes the election was stolen in Georgia. And a lot of Republicans, myself included, have said very vocally we thought he was talking Republicans out of voting in the 2021 runoff. In fact, 427,205 Republicans sat it out. They voted in the general in 2020, wouldn't show up in the in the runoff. And a lot of these people were hearing President Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, David Schaefer, and others say, well, it was stolen. They were going to steal it again. So why bother go vote? And then when 2022 came around, the Republicans in the state are convinced that David Schaefer helped find the candidates to run against Brian Kemp and run against Brad Raffensperger and run against John King and run against Chris Carr. The Republicans in the state of Georgia, uh, Chris Carr is the attorney general. He had a Trump supporter run against him. The insurance commissioner, the first statewide elected Hispanic official in Georgia, John King, brilliant guy, insurance commissioner, was appointed to the position because the insurance commissioner was carted off to jail. He stepped into that role, restored confidence in that office, and someone decided to challenge him from the right because Brian Kemp had picked him. Brian Kemp himself had David Perdue run against him in Georgia. All of these gentlemen, whether it's fair or not, Blame David Schaefer, the chairman of the Republican Party, the first chairman of the party to see his party go up in smoke in Georgia in a very long time. Uh, Donald Trump lost the state. The Republicans lost two Senate seats, and he did not resign. You know, back in the old days when you had stuff like this and, and the parties were obliterated, the leaders of the party said, all right, that's it. We didn't do our job. We resigned. Now they hold on to power and keep the grift going. That's a real problem. So Brian Kemp has decided to gut the party in Georgia. The Republican Party in Georgia, ironically, when David Schaefer, the current chairman, was the executive director of the party in the early 2000s, had brilliant ground game operations, ran up the, the numbers on the Democrats, and ultimately took over the state. Schaefer himself got elected to the state Senate, rose to the ranks, ran for secretary of state, or rather lieutenant governor. He lost Jeff Duncan. He became the chairman of the party. Trump endorsed his reelection bid. They used that position to try to upend the Republican Party in Georgia, and they lost everything. Why the man has not resigned uh, is a pretty damning indictment on him being leader still, given what happened in the state. And so Brian Kemp has set up a leadership pack in Georgia. And he's getting the donors to not give to the GOP in Georgia, essentially running the GOP out of business in Georgia. Deservedly so, I might add, so that he can call the shots and he can be the leader of the party instead of David Schaefer. So you've got a lot of donors who are bypassing the GOP in Georgia, giving to Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp built up this massive ground game operation, the kind of operation the state Republican Party used to have and now can't build because they don't have the money anymore because nobody trusts the leadership. Brian Kemp now has it. He's handed over his campaign to the Senate Leadership Fund, the super PAC run by Stephen Law for Mitch McConnell. 
and they're going to keep the same people there running the ground game to try to get Herschel Walker elected. Nobody believes the state Republican Party can do it. Nobody trusts the state Republican. Even the people surrounding Herschel Walker do not trust the state GOP. How do I know? Because I've had these conversations with them. They would rather rely on Brian Kemp and Brian Kemp's operation. I don't know that they can do it. My sense is there are a lot of Republicans who held their nose. They voted for Herschel Walker. They don't really want to go back and vote for him again, particularly when the Senate Democrats already control the Senate. Why bother? Except this is about 2024. You need every seat possible for the GOP to make sure they get a majority in 2024 when the odds are really in their favor. The number of Senate seats up in states that Donald Trump beat Joe Biden in in 2020 is pretty staggering. These people are on the ballot now in 2024. They got swept in in 2018 in the big wave. They can be swept out in 2024 if you have the right candidates. This time in states around the country, whether it's um, New Hampshire or even Colorado, really, and, and several other states, you had a lot of people who set out the race. They didn't want to run. They didn't want to be bullied by Trump and his and his candidates. You had the governor in New Hampshire said, why bother doing this? Doug Ducey set out Arizona. He probably could have won that race. He didn't because the Trump team essentially pressured him to stay out of it. Trump himself said he would campaign against him. They're like, well, it's not worth a hassle. Screw it. And the GOP lost these races that they probably could have won with different candidates. The candidates mattered and Trump mattered. Now you've got a situation in Georgia where all the Republicans love Herschel Walker. They, 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 they'll hold their nose for him. That they, they, He's kind of a beloved figure in Georgia. Even if they have the reservations about him, they're going to do what they can to help him. And it's not really about him. It's about helping the Senate Republicans Keep it as narrow as possible in the Senate. Whether or not the voters go along is another issue. But what you have to understand is that Brian Kemp wants nothing to do with the state Republican Party. And if you are in the state Republican Party, you should understand that your party will stay marginalized as long as the leadership stays. And if you want your party to be relevant moving forward and actually start fundraising again, you got to make changes at the top. And the fact that the top hasn't changed itself speaks volumes as to the character and integrity of the people in charge. Now, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Don, you're up next. Welcome to the par- welcome to the show, Don. Hey, Eric, need some uh, political uh, direction from you. Just the okay. opposite of Sean. If we were to go and vote for Warnock to help Warnock win, and not to loss for Walker, which in essence would be another loss for Strumpy, would that ultimately hurt Strumpy in the long run? <laughs> um. You know, at this point, I think the fact that Walker made it into a runoff instead of winning outright when everyone else did, that, that that's already weighed in. That calculus is there. Uh, if Brian Kemp and the team in Georgia, loyal to Kemp, can boost Herschel Walker and get him across the finish line, I think that signals that uh, the power has moved beyond Trump. And that's that that actually speaks very loudly. If Brian Kemp's entire operation can move heaven and earth and get Herschel Walker elected and Donald Trump could not do it, Herschel Walker winning the runoff with Kemp's health is another signal that the power of the party has moved beyond Donald Trump. If he loses, it's already baked in because he got into a runoff. He didn't win outright when everyone else did. So everyone's already thought, see, this is another candidate who, because of Donald Trump, didn't do what he should have done. He underperformed expectations. If he now wins without Donald Trump but with Brian Kemp, that also signals, listen, Brian Kemp did this, not Donald Trump. And everybody will understand that it was a Kemp-McConnell thing, not a Trump thing. 
Um, and so I would say, yeah, go vote for Herschel Walker. I know nobody really wants to go back out and vote again. But if you really want to help, one, you pad the margins for the GOP in the Senate, keep it 50-50. But also, this is very important, it becomes a Brian Kemp thing, not a Donald Trump thing. And that helps shape the future, too. David, last caller, welcome. Hi, Eric. Uh, this is David from Orlando. Uh, going back to Florida, uh, Rick Scott, when uh, Maria occurred in Puerto Rico, he embraced a large uh, Puerto Rican uh, population coming to Florida. Puerto Rican as, Ameri- as American, they can uh, they can uh, vote in elections, right? Yes. So in that election, uh, in 2018, uh, Rick Scott won the the Senate seat. Uh, the Santis uh, took the uh, 34% of the Puerto Rican vote. Now in 2022, he took the, tw- the 55%. That was a, a major increase, okay? Yes. Therefore, my my recommendation for for BP, for uh, uh, the Santis will be... Uh, uh, made of him in the uh, in the house uh, he was a part of the freedom caucus he just won a, a statewide election in uh, idaho his name is raul labrador oh I, look I be, love yeah he's fantastic he will be a perfect candidate for a bp for any republican candidate and he and DeSantis are friends too yeah yeah look that's a great pick that, that is a great, great uh, suggestion. He's a great guy. He's a solid conservative. Um, my only caveat on that is that there aren't a lot of electoral votes in Idaho. Uh, if you went with someone from a bigger state, you might be able to get that state to go with you in the Electoral College. That That's that's a factor. Um, not a big one. But Raul Labrador is fantastic. What a, what a great guy. Uh, he would be a great pick, too. Super sharp guy. Now, I got to tell you, speaking of sharp, uh, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm can get rid of all the sharp odors floating around your house that you don't like. It is an odor eliminator. Yes, it's an air purifier. It gets rid of the dust, the pollen, the mold that's floating around your house. I don't use it that way, though. I don't leave it running all the time. I use it as an odor eliminator. So, for example, um, there were people smoking when we were in our hotel in Louisiana this weekend. I have my Eden Pure. I keep it in my suitcase was able to eliminate those odors that were floating in from the door before the security people went and shut those people down. It works. Rental cars, you can plug it up with a USB cord. If you have a USB outlet in your car, it powers off that and works. Gets rid of smoke odors in cars. Gets rid of litter box odors. Gets rid of pet odors. It just wipes out those odors. You can get three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com by putting in the discount code ERIC3. So you get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one to keep in your bag like I do or an RV, um, wherever you need it. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. The discount code is ERIC3. You get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're actually saving $200 and you get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K, the number three, no space. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I want to talk about something non-political. It has no relationship, no bearing to politics at all. I have a TV recommendation for you. I got a show. And I got to tell you, it is one of the better TV shows I have seen in a while. Some of you are going to have a visceral reaction when I tell you what it is, but just bear with me here. 
This TV show I'm talking about is called Andor. It is set in the Star Wars universe. It is on Disney+. Plus. Disney is taking this show, and they're about to air it on ABC as a network TV show. They're going to put the first two episodes on it. Um, and they should because it is a very good TV show. It is set in the Star Wars universe. There are no Jedi wizards. You only see a stormtrooper two in the background. It is a thriller. It is a spy show. It is a drama. It is a very well done television program. Very, very well done television program. I The very first episode you need to know is exceedingly slow. Like I got halfway through it and stopped it. Thought it was extremely boring. And friends of mine kept saying, you really need to give this show a shot. So I finished the first episode and got to the second episode. I thought the second episode was a little better than the first episode, but it was still kind of slow. But I like, all right, I'll watch the third episode. Um, Buckle up. It picks up speed. It has momentum. It has a pace. And it gets quicker and quicker. The pace is faster and faster. The storytelling is deeper and deeper the further you go. It is a brilliantly well-done television program that just happens to be in the Star Wars universe. You could take this program and you could put it in um, Gallipoli. You could put it in um, the Battle of Algiers. You could put this in a, a communist state. You could put this in China currently. It just happens to be in the Star Wars universe. And the storytelling is brilliant. The writing is brilliant. The pace is so well done. I am totally captivated by this TV show. Uh, it is Andor. It's about, uh, if you're familiar with the Star Wars movies, there was a movie called Rogue One about the plans, to, uh, the, the, the plot to capture the plans of the Death Star. And it is led by a spy named Cassian Andor. This is his backstory, how he became part of the Rebel Alliance. I'm telling you, it is a good television show. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your knowledge of Star Wars is. It is a really well-done television show available on Disney+. Plus. They're about to make it available on ABC, FX, uh, and Hulu as well. They're trying to get as much attention for it as possible. Tells you they believe in it. And I'm telling you, I'm sold on this. Uh, it's going to air November 23rd on ABC.